Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you today. Are you happy today, Dr. Paul? Fauci's out. He says he's retiring. Oh, uh, he doesn't know. I think he wants to miss those words. He's, 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 he's moving on he's, yeah. to his next phase in life. Yeah, you know, next phase in his career. To collect, he has to go pick up that. No, no, they'll probably mail it. They'll probably... Put his uh, all his extra money now. He's he's down to over just three hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. Poor guy. I don't know how he can live on it's that. Terrible. But but anyway, uh, he's going to go down in history. Yeah. The uh, most highest paid bureaucrat in our all of our history. In our history. Because <laughs> he's uh, because he's been able to offer us so much good information, and uh, he made a self assessment. Can you believe this? He says. Uh, quite frankly, he says, anybody who attacks me attacks science. Yeah, that'll and go that's down in history. Yeah. And he's been saying that kind of stuff for years, but I think he thinks highly of himself. But to, that, that, that's not surprising. There's been a lot of people like that around. I guess yeah. to become dictators, they have to think highly of themselves. But the big, the, the big thing is, is uh, how do you get away with it? You know, it, his, uh, it isn't like just... Uh, with uh, COVID, that his science uh, deserves, you know, a challenge. I mean, he hasn't been right uh, too much over all his history. Promoted science, it really wasn't. But he 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 knew how to promote himself. But I think the last thing he was was a scientist. Yeah. You know, he uh, he. Uh, but but I still go back to people like that don't exist unless they get support. And people like that are shrewd. And they're con artists, but it's still sad that there couldn't have been somebody along the way yeah. and just pointing out this guy's a fraud. Yeah. And, uh, you, you know, it wasn't like he this was the first time he messed up with vaccines. You know, he's he's been messing up with vaccines. And then and all of a sudden everything opens up. What did he do good? Yeah. So that's your question. <laughs> what yeah. did he do good? Yeah, remember back in the 80s and 90s, a lot of AIDS patients died because he was pushing AZT, which was a toxic, toxic substance. He pushed remdesivir during uh, COVID, which killed a lot of people, causes terrible problems in kidneys and blood and et cetera. So he's known as pushing bad drugs that make him rich uh, and then coming out looking like a saint. But you're right, you've, you all along called him authoritarian. And you said you think he has an authoritarian personality. And I think that's the that's why you see things like if you argue with me, you argue with the science and this kind of crazy things. Well, he and Burks were responsible for the nationwide lockdowns. Sadly, they hood, hoodwinked Trump into going along with it. And that's probably one of Trump's um, most depressing moments where he didn't stand up and he could have to them. Uh, lockdowns. He claimed the vaccine was 100 percent effective. Of course, it wasn't. We know that's the case. Mask, 100% effective. Social, literally everything he said about how to fight COVID was wrong. And literally almost everything he said, don't ever do that, was actually stuff that helps. So right. his legacy should be someone who goes into the dustbin, but he's... He's going to be protecting that, and he still has a lot of fans, Dr. Paul. Well, you know, it's been years, if not decades, that he's been involved in doing dumb things and very harmful things. But I, I don't think the uh, final numbers are in, Yeah. you know, because, because uh, we don't know exactly how many people died from the vaccine. Uh, they'll argue about that, and you can't depend on the statistic. But what about the... Uh, 
what about the disease itself? If, if, if it truly did come about because the U.S. government, the American taxpayer funding that, I mean, uh, and, and the number of deaths, see, I see these reports, it's almost like, I don't want to believe that stuff. It can't be that much. They're yeah. stretching it. They're just trying to exaggerate. But then again, um, the people that are saying these things are more honorable than the people who have denied them. Yeah. Yeah, and if any case, let's investigate how many people died as a result of, the, of these shots and what have you. Well, here's the New York Times piece. Here's how they spin it. Let's look it up here. Just a little headline. Fauci says he will step down in December to pursue his next chapter. Dr. Anthony S. Fauci, who has advised seven presidents and spent more than a half a century at the National Institutes of Health, will leave government service by the end of the year. Now, he may think that he's sneaking out after those elections in November. He may see the writing on the wall that the Democrats aren't super popular. But there's one senator that said he's not going to get away with this. Let's put up this next one. This is from Breitbart. Shot across the bow, Senator Rand Paul says Fauci's retirement won't stop a full-throated investigation. So <laughs> clearly, if, they, if the Republicans do manage to take the House and Senate or just the Senate, you can count on some investigations and you can count on Fauci being called under oath to answer some tough questions because we've seen how Senator Paul deals with Fauci in the past. And in fact, I think uh, history will credit Senator Paul as being the one individual whose tenacity really helped bring down the halo from above Fauci's head. Now, there's a lot of people joining, which is fine. Yeah. Better late than never. Yeah. But, but you know, I, there was one thing in, in the article uh, from the Brownstone article that I found interesting because uh, the identification of somebody that influenced him, I was looking for uh, what, what great scientist influenced him. Uh -huh. <laughs> and it was uh, trifecta of the three leading officials behind lockdown in the United States, because that was the big deal. Yeah. Lockdown. And he, evidently, we've never done it before. No one has. Very <laughs> few people have done it. And yet it just seemed like people, oh, okay, we'll do it. And, but Fauci's emails reveal that he had been inspired to adopt lockdowns as a national policy due to conversations with, he had with New York Times' Donald McNeil, <laughs> Donald McNeil, an early advocate of strict lockdowns in the Times. And McNeil had been impressed, and his influence came from the Chinese communists. <laughs> and, and then they say, oh, but, but people who were questioning this, we were the anti-science yeah, people. Yeah. And this this is their science. He calls up a journalist. Uh, hey, that, good that, idea. That has, that has to be the weirdest, yeah. dumbest thing that we allow that stuff to happen. And remember there, I mean, we could probably do a three-hour show on this, but it'd be nauseating, so we'd have to have barf bags. But remember when the Barrington Declaration came out in October of 2020, I think it was, you know, basically saying, let's return to sanity and return to actual science. Remember, he and uh, Collins... Uh, colluded behind the scenes. They sent an email saying, how can we suppress this? How can we get rid of this? So he wasn't pushing for scientific discovery of whether it was right or not. He was pushing to squash these people down. They were all proven right. The Barrington Declaration was proven absolutely 100% correct. They have been proven completely wrong. You know, for things to deteriorate like this, uh, you say, well, we need, 
we need more supervision. We need more investigation. We need more restraints, and we need to go over this. And and uh, you know, you can't even get a bill bill passed and put in there that you should follow the money and make sure the money goes where it's supposed to go. See, I can my conclusion is we shouldn't be involved yeah. because the nature of man and the nature of especially politicians who gravitate there and the people like Fauci, you should expect it. It's a logical thing that they're going to get into trouble. And the other thing is, is they make honest mistakes. So when you turn all this power over to them, and then you have the influence of drug companies and all that, that's why I say zero tolerance of this stuff. We shouldn't send anything because you give a little bit and just think our government has been involved little bit here and a little bit there for a long time but it's a, it has exploded especially since the 1960s and now we've had another explosion again this this was dramatic but maybe this has been so bad that if they can get some new people in Washington maybe they can uh, you know put a stop to it but the odds of uh, people giving up on the principle they're going to say <clears throat> We we need a commission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we need reform. We, oh, I have their story. They've already started asking for more money. Yeah, yeah, more money and a commission to study it. No, they they need a commission of the of the people who are paying the bills. Yeah. Uh, of course, the people who have already been injured are out on the street and they live in a tent and uh, they've lost their clout. Yeah. And maybe that's not an accident, you know. So the people who are on the inside and are participating, and, you know, they're different. Some of the people, I, I don't think it'd be interesting someday for somebody to figure out how many people lost because they spoke out on the truth and they were, you know, lost their job. Yeah. There are some people now filing suit and winning uh, but to to get fairness back in the system and eliminate the pain and the suffering of it they can't do it there was too much of it so it's the principle of turning these very very important decisions over to politicians bureaucrats and the deep state and the corporatists that run run the situation we have to cancel that that's what yeah. needs canceled that that whole principle and people have to st- hopefully stop believing in the experts because they don't seem to know anything. <laughs> right. Well, here's a real scientist, and I found this great couple of tweets from our good friend Thomas Massey. And if uh, you'll indulge me, Dr. Paul, I just want to read them because he captures it perfectly. Here's the first one from Massey. Science didn't evolve. Fauci ignored science. He denied the existence of natural immunity. He spoke of droplets to avoid acknowledging the size of the virus was too small to be stopped by the filters of loose-fitting cloth masks. Let's do the next one. This is a real indictment. The vaccine trials were designed not to show that the vaccines didn't prevent infection or spread, but he spoke as if they did. He ignored harm caused by locking down people, delayed cancer screenings, untreated diabetes, unfilled prescriptions, mental health, suicides, etc. Next one. He ignored and still ignores the side effects of the novel mRNA vaccines. The policies he advanced never properly acknowledged that the elderly had exponentially more risk than children. He cared not about the stunted social and educational development of children. The last one, he downplayed early treatments and promoted late stage expensive pharmaceuticals while ignoring their side effects. And this is it, Dr. Paul, Fauci isn't science. 
He's a snake oil salesman <laughs> trying to quietly ride his wagon out of town before the people hold him accountable for his fraud. But wow. don't you feel confident that uh, he'll think this over? He's not going to be working quite so hard. <laughs> yeah. He's in retirement. He's going to write a book and reveal all the real truth. So, you know, he did have this wonderful statement defending natural immunity. Uh, very strong. Oh, I mean, yeah. We agree with every word he said in that one little clip. Yeah. Do you think that'll be in his book or do you think what's going to be in the book? He'll blame somebody else for, you know, pushing these drugs behind his back yeah. or something like that. They'll figure out something. But uh, he's going to be working hard to, <laughs> I think he's run out of time to change the image. I, I think I think it's done with. I think uh, the fraud is, uh, you know, apparent and, yeah. and uh, that it can't be revived. Well, unfortunately, that clip of him defending natural immunity was back before COVID. That was about the flu, oh, yeah. right? So I wanted to put on a, an audio or a video clip of him because here he was yesterday basically trying to blame all the flip-flops, all the mistakes they made, blaming it not on himself but on people who misinterpreted him. Let's watch. I forget how long I put this on for. Maybe let's listen to him. Looks like we're having trouble with the audio. We'll signal when we get that up, up and running of the, the Fauci. But meanwhile, here's another example of Fauci's uh, incompetence. If we can go to that next clip. Um, this is uh, a conservative writer notes, Fauci has the Fauci devotional candle on his bookshelves. You couldn't make this up. And you can see that over there on the right. And I wanted to zoom in to make sure that maybe, you know, Fauci's a Catholic name, maybe he actually had a religious one. And do the next one if you can. Because here is it zoomed in. And it looks on the surface like that might be an actual Catholic candle. But I went and I did an internet search just to be sure. Before We don't want to put out fake news, Dr. Paul. <laughs> and here's that third one. Here's the punchline. It actually is this devotional candle with Fauci, with the Sacred Heart of Jesus in place of his own heart, on his own bookshelf. Now, you might say that he did it in an ironic way, but nevertheless... Uh, it's a little bit odd to have that kind of religious oh, devotion to yourself. Might be a little bit sacrilegious. Uh, a little bit, a little bit. I'm sure, yeah. He's so anyway. It's 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 pretty bad news. Uh, he's not gonna he's not gonna go away. But hopefully there'll be an investigation. But like you say, what about all the suicides, the alcoholism, the depression, all of that caused by him and Deborah Burks and the others. You know, it, it always reminds me of some of the complications of, you know, the hot wars. You know, we, we come to people who maybe get shot and killed in a war that's undeclared and immoral and we shouldn't have been there. But what about the side effects? You know, the people who have PSTD, PSTD yeah, yeah. and the people who, uh, uh, you know, families are broken up. So there's so much secondary stuff. And that's, of course, here that... Uh, it should be looked at. Uh, that, that's the investigation. Maybe ha have leave an imprint for the next people coming along. But uh, unfortunately, we we won't have ever all the facts. But the one thing is, it's the hypocrisy that the people will respond to. And uh, I think uh, he, uh, even though he he's. Fauci uh, uh, is is pretty consistent in his nonsense yeah. and his l lack of science. You know he has a good statement there. You should so. You know how can he state this statement several years back and defend strongly? Yeah. You know this whole idea of natural immunity and and flip around and you know during during the lockdowns 
when we could get pictures of, uh, of Pelosi and others, you know, <laughs> making everybody else locked down, but they were out having a party. Yeah. You know, that, that makes people angry. And this is why people are angry today on economics, because there's still a lot of people who are out on the street, and even though they worked hard and tried to avoid what was happening, yeah. but all of a sudden their cost of living doubled. Yeah. You know? So that, that, that's, that's the real problem is, is getting to the bottom of it and uh, proving the people who give us this stuff are pure hypocrites. Yeah. And it's not that they just uh, didn't study the right economics. Is they studied uh, how to become a powerful, uh, rich person. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we do have that clip now, so we can listen to Fauci saying, hey, it's not my fault. Don't blame me. It's going. Because we've been fooled before. We didn't fully appreciate the magnitude of HIV back in the early 80s when I first got involved, when the first cases were recognized. And there were so many things we learned on the run with COVID. I mean, the things that we thought we knew in the beginning turned out as the months went by to not be the case, which really forced us to adapt and to change some of our policies and recommendations. That was interpreted by many as flip-flopping or not really knowing what's going on when it really was the evolution of the science. So one of the lessons that I hope we... It was the evolution of the science. There's only one thing he leaves out, was that the people who were right at the beginning, the people like yourself and the, some of the doctors from Stanford uh, who were saying things about natural immunity, they weren't just debated. They were canceled. They were disappeared. Your, your Twitter account was gone. Your social media was gone because government colluded with social media. So he had all the power to have people silenced who disagreed with him on the science back then and were proven right. And how many times have I said over the, the several years of the difference of what I experienced in medical school? I mean, the medical schools were imperfect and they had their problems and they still do. But they, uh, they, they at least... Uh, we were taught to have debates. Yeah. I mean, uh, sometimes it was, you know, in a theory, you might take a problem, and you're going to talk about it, and, and there'll be a, dr a new drug out, and there'll be information, a controversy, something like this. I, I bet you the medical schools haven't done it. Can you imagine the medical schools having a real debate yeah. on, on this kind of stuff during this period of time? Even if they, the student mentioned that they might have been kicked out. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you weren't even allowed to think of it. But we, we had to, when we were there as residents and medical students, it was always a big deal. Once a week we had a debate. And it was usually, you know, the residents or the students that would have to prepare for it. And uh, it wasn't doctrinaire at all. It was, it was discipline. And you might even be asked to defend the position that you personally weren't excited about, you know, just to get the discussion going and look at the science of each side. But, you know, it'd be interesting to see. I'll bet, I'll bet you they don't do that anymore yeah. in, in, in medical school. Yeah, they just yeah, click <laughs> on CDC to figure out. One final thing about this, Dr. Paul, because this can't go uncommented on, I think. You know, you're, I remember back then your argument against the lockdowns as someone who's a very strong advocate of exercise. You said it's the opposite. You need to get out and get some sunshine and get some exercise. Oh, no, we've got to shut down, stay in your apartment. You know, 15 days turns into six months and turns into two years. This is from The Guardian, which was a chief proponent of lockdowns, uh, just yesterday. Put this up. Now, now you tell us, regular physical activity may lessen COVID risks, study finds. Well, why weren't they doing these studies two years ago, two and a half years ago? How many people died 
because they were forced to stay in their apartments by tyrants and thugs like Fauci. But that hasn't been changed completely yeah. because I think, you know, the president, you know, was, was setting the standard. Oh, I'm positive, which who knows what it means. Yeah. So what, what does he do? He, he's expected to stay indoors and wear a mask. Yeah. <laughs> and and so, so, yes, we're making inroads, but we better not get uh, uh, too euphoric about yeah. it all. Yeah. Well, let's move on to real quick when our good friend uh, Jonathan Turley had a great piece. The, finer ins the final Inspector General's report on Afghanistan has come out. Let's put on that next clip. Uh, and we've heard about this before, but it's worth commenting on again. The U.S. government left more than $7 billion in military equipment to the Taliban. And we have talked about this, but this is from the final report. And let's put on this next clip because you and I both talked about this quote from what uh, Turley wrote. The ground vehicle inventory alone was worth about $4.12 billion. In addition, the U.S. military lost $923 million worth of military aircraft and $294 million in aircraft munitions. The t here's the kicker. The Taliban was instantly made one of the best equipped militaries in the world <laughs> due to the windfall gift by the Biden administration. You know... Here it is, the Taliban. I think they were considered to be, you know, pretty tough people, the bad guys. and uh, <laughs> they were part. They were part of the terrorism. You know, we have to stop terror. Everything was terrorism, and uh, of course, that became a word that excited you. You know, he's a terrorist, and even good, decent people had a disagreement with him. I think people uh, even referred that to our president. You know, he's a terrorist if he does that. He's a yep. terrorist. They they use that. So. Uh, but the the uh, the terrorists, uh, you, you know, have have been here all, all along, and they they've been they've been taught to kill, and yet we still ended up giving them the weapons. They're the most they they were the incitement for us to spend not the seven billion dollars. That's peanuts compared to how much they were really spending, hundreds of billions of yeah. dollars and passing around the world, always because some country, I mean, do you think, do you think there were any terrorists or terrorist threats in Syria yeah. or Libya or someplace? There's always a threat of terrorism. So we use it to spend all this money. At, at the same time, uh, you, you know, there's, a, there's no evidence that it's done any good. We, we end up giving them their weapon. Yeah. And then they say, well, that's just because we had a bad general and he made a bad decision. But you, you could go back to my argument. We should be out of the business of interventionism in foreign policy. And then we wouldn't have to worry about the jerks yeah. that are starting to run it and make these decisions. And then we would eliminate one way or another, because it's always, I guess, present because you have to have some defense, is the influence of the, uh, you, you know, in COVID, it's the pharmaceutical companies. Here, it's the drug, uh, the uh, uh, weapons of manufacturers. Yeah. And, uh, and they, they, they have a lot of pressure on theirs. So this stuff, like we've mentioned before, I bet you there was no crying with the arms manufacturers. Huh? Okay, well, if we, we, now we're short and we still have danger. Oh, there's terrorists down the street, yeah. and we better replenish that. There'll be the replenishment now that'll come that we have to replace that and, uh, the, uh, uh, and save that for somebody else to get better, some, some other terrorist group or violent group to get the, the equipment. Well, the neocons will argue about all this equipment left there. Well, that just shows how terrible and stupid Biden was to get us out. 
whereas the reality is it shows how terrible and stupid it was to fight a 20-year war yeah. and then lose it at the end of the day anyway. You know, it's not Biden who holds all the guilt for those $7 billion in weapons. It's probably four or five times that much. I think it's every member of Congress and the Senate who voted in favor of the appropriations to send those things over there in the first place. They're the ones that are just as guilty as Biden because they're part of it. But you know what some people say, and I, I tend to believe this, is that leaving those there wasn't incompetence. I think it was intentional. If you look at Afghanistan where it is geopolitically, you see a lot of countries around Afghanistan who were also part of the former Soviet Union. And if you want some of those weapons to kind of leak over to Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, and elsewhere to destabilize the situation on Russia's southern flank, I think you could probably find some person in the Pentagon and State Department thinking, you know what? Not such a bad idea to leave those there. <laughs> That's what they did in Libya. They wanted them to go over to Syria and overthrow Assad. So I don't think it was massive incompetence. I think there was another plan for those you, weapons. You know, I think your, your point is well taken and your question is good because you want to know about motives. <laughs> you know, one time when I told people they ought to know what the motives of what they're doing, but nobody really wants to talk about that. So you're, you're saying, well, what really is the motive? But uh, what, what, is the, what is the motive for the chaos on the streets? I mean, we, every, you know, big city run by, you know, progressives, are they really that stupid yeah. or are there some people so dedicated to Marxism that uh, they believe in the principle that's been around since Karl Marx himself said bring on chaos and that's the way you have to get rid of the remnants of yeah. people who believe in freedom that of course is why they exterminate people and that's why they destroy people so it, it's part of that so so you, you, well, my point is your argument is plausible yeah. even though even though it seems so so ridiculous to uh, to, to conspire and I think things will work out the way they want you yeah. know, it's usually going to end up uh, so often that these weapons will be used to kill Americans. Yeah. And, uh, of course, it's killing the American taxpayer already. But, uh, yes, we'll be involved and those guns will be used against us because we're in some place where we shouldn't have sent the weapons, but we shouldn't be making ourselves vulnerable by trying to maintain our empire. And one of the reasons we bring this up is pretty obvious. It's the elephant in the room, the lessons that were not learned are now being repeated, the mistakes are being repeated in Ukraine. And we see, actually, we can skip ahead to that CNN piece. This is from a couple of months ago. And this was big news at the time because they admitted, this is CNN, what happens to the weapons sent to Ukraine? The U.S. doesn't really know. <clears throat> they didn't bother to figure out what's going to happen to these billions of dollars. They did the same thing over and over again. And then let's do the next one because CBS News, as we've talked about just this month, did some research into what's happening. This is from Fox News. CBS News deletes a tweet claiming that only like 30% of military aid for Ukraine ever reaches the front lines. So they did a research and actually do that next one because it, it gives some context to why they pulled it down. Ukraine demanded that CBS News cut part of its documentary that showed only 30% of aid reaches the destination. CBS complied. Ukraine censors free speech in Ukraine but does Ukraine have the right to censor in the U.S.? That's Stephen Hankey, who makes a very good point. So the point is the lessons were not learned. Is incompetence that startling, 
or is there some other plan here at play? See, this is an indication that globalism is alive and well. You, you talk about what they can do in one country versus the other, but you know, the people who really run on the show, they're globalists and, and they're, they don't think about borders and you know, and they don't think about borders between the state and the individual either, which is, which is an atrocious thing that happens because that's when, uh, that's when people realize they're losing their liberties when they have to, they themselves be locked down. And here, here they find out, you mean, you mean the lockdown didn't really help? <laughs> yeah. yeah, surprise, surprise. Yeah. You mean exercise is, is good for you? <laughs> <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> <laughs> my, my, kids, my kids would know it because, you know, it was, it was medicine, but it was just sort of a gut reaction. And I w I've always been convinced that, that uh, there's a physical benefit, there's a mental benefit to it, too, yeah. and there's a physiologic benefit to it. So... Uh, it's a strong thing that uh, I believe in. Well, mm -hmm. let's put on that last clip. I'm going to close out Dr. Paul today by reminding our viewers again, listen, you're going to want to come and see Ron Paul live, speaking live to you in Washington, D.C. in just under two weeks. You need to get your tickets, Anatomy of a Police State. Dr. Paul will be there giving the closing speech. Uh, it's always a rousing time listening to what he has to say. He's been doing it for a while. The father of the modern libertarian movement. He's not going to like me saying this. The father of the revolution. You want to get your tickets and come join us. Uh, let's pack the place up and have a great time. I will include a link uh, in the description of today's show where you can click on and get those tickets. And we look forward to seeing you. Dr. Paul? Very, very good. And uh, I, too, will look forward to our conferences and meeting so many of you that tune in every day to the Liberty Report. And I can constantly make uh, sometimes the same point over and over again, but uh, I, 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 make the re I, I make it uh, uh, over and over again for myself as well as for others. But the one thing is I talk a lot about non-interventions, especially in foreign policy and economic policy, and the principles are the same, whether you're dealing with an economic issue or a foreign policy issue, usually the, uh, the theory behind it all is the same thing, individual liberty, non-interventionism, use of uh, volunteerism, setting standards for other people to follow, and, uh, and reduce the power and scope of government. And, uh, and, that, and under those conditions, and if, uh, ev even though there were imperfections in our Constitution, uh, the way it exists now, most of it uh, is being ignored, un unfortunately. But uh, if, if we just, just did that much, but uh, the temptation is if you get a little bit, uh, you get too much of it. And that's where we make a lot of mistakes uh, by the good people and the bad people. The bad people see a door opening and we will expand it and we will expand it. And the other ones say, this is just a little bit of an income tax. Don't worry about it. We're not going to tax everybody. We're going to just tax the rich. I think we just heard that statement just within the last couple weeks. Oh, we're going to go after the rich. And then when they read the bill, it's the people... Uh, you know, it's the middle class that's going to pay most of the new taxes. So it's a good idea when we're trying to figure this out. Be skeptical of what the government tells us. Fortunately, we're, uh, we're gaining on that one because more and more people are becoming more skeptical and they believe the government rarely tells us the truth and you have to search for the people that you can trust. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.